Presbytery, who I know, and Steve, and uh, I guess the Campellis aren't here, but I know Chris Campelli and, and John. And also, uh, I'm pretty friendly with uh, Jerry Maguire, um, and uh, one, I just want to say one thing that he really ministered to me was a couple years ago I had uh, uh, about nine months of chemotherapy, and uh, Jerry faithfully called me and checked up on me and prayed with me over the phone every time, and so he pastored me. Uh, so I really, I appreciate that. I always think fondly of him. And um, I haven't heard from him for a little while, but I trust he's, he's doing well down there in Maryland, I think it is, right? And, um, and Pastor Kerr, one of, the, one of the younger men in our presbytery, to me, he's younger, but I think he's a very fine young man. I think you have a really good pastor, and I appreciate his, uh, he's a principled man. Um, and um, I'm very glad for the, just for the invitation that he gave me. I was going to preach on something else this morning, and he, uh, Pastor Kerr, said, well, just wanted to let you know, you know, that we had a big vote last week, and he said, you know, it was kind of a close one, and there might be some disappointed people there. And, uh, you know, I know nothing more about it in the background than that. Um, and he said, you know, if you have any pastoral wisdom, you can share with us. When any pa- I've, I've learned that most of the pastoral wisdom I had, I have is by doing things wrong the first time. <laughs> Learned kind of the hard way. Um, but I did, I did want to select a passage that I thought might give you some encouragement. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty confident it will because it's God's inspired word. So I'd like to look with you this morning at Romans chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 7. Hear God's word. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Please pray with me once again. Our great God, our Father of endurance and encouragement, would you grant such endurance and encouragement to this flock that with one voice they might glorify you? And would you use this sermon even to that end Uh, to build that encouragement by the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The apostle has in mind here a situation in which Christians disagree with each other. Imagine that. The issue in this case was uh, food, uh, Gentile food, and and raised issues of conscience uh, of of Jewish believers. And uh, there there was a sincere disagreement, uh, even, a, even a conscientious disagreement. I mean, if we just have a practical disagreement, that's one thing. You can usually get over that pretty quickly. But when you have a sincere disagreement, that this is best for the church, this is best for the church, um, that can be a more difficult thing to navigate. And Paul realizes that what we need in that situation is encouragement to stay the course. And that's what he gives us in this passage. What is the course? The course is to edify 
one another. Verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. When he says please his neighbor, don't be thrown by the sort of the pop psychology we use today and say, oh, he's a people pleaser or he's not a people pleaser. That's not what he means. He doesn't mean pleasing people to put a smile on their face. He means doing good to them, doing what is best for my neighbor. That's surely what he means. That's the, that's the course he's taking. And you'll notice from verse 1 that this is an obligation. Even as Christ commands us to love our neighbor, he says, we who are strong have an ability to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Notice the word obligation. Now, I'm not suggesting that it particularly applies in your situation that some are weak and some are strong. I'm, I'm not, I don't think that precise uh, issue applies, as far as I know. But, but nevertheless, the principle applies, does it not? That all of us, in whatever situation the church may find itself, we have an obligation from the Lord to seek the good of our neighbor, even if we disagree with them. And uh, in that way, God works through us. And I said, what is staying the course? Well, again, if you look at verse 6, it's staying the course of, of to live in a gospel harmony for the glory of God. This is Paul's vision for the church, that together, together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, to do that, especially in a situation maybe where there's some disagreement, to do that requires endurance and encouragement. And I would say those are the key operative words in this passage. Paul refers to the God of endurance and encouragement. He refers to endurance and encouragement through the scriptures. That's what he has in mind here. Endurance and encouragement probably relate to each other a little bit more passive, a little bit more active. Endurance, meaning a kind of patient stick-to-itness. Remember when I was little, sometimes my mother would say to me, you have no stick-to-itness. <laughs> sort of scattered around here, you know. Do moms still say that to their kids? I bet they do. Um, endurance, patient stick-to-itness uh, under pressure. And encouragement, perhaps the more active and positive side of it, that is to say steadfast persistence in doing good. Don't stop doing good. Don't go off course just because you may disagree with one another about something. Um, you need endurance and encouragement. And I'd like to point out to you that I believe, uh, let me call them fountains perhaps as a word. There are four fountains of encouragement and endurance in this passage that I want to point you to, that I want to remind you of, and that I hope will indeed give you uh, endurance and encouragement. Not that you don't have it, but give it, give it to you uh, more. I want you to consider and be encouraged first by the example of Christ. And then I want you to be encouraged by the sacrifice of Christ. Then I want you to, to uh, be encouraged by the Holy Scriptures. And then be encouraged by the God of encouragement himself. What wonderful resources. God has given to us by his spirit that we may draw from these wells, drink from these fountains, and find encouragement and endurance. So first, be encouraged by the example of Christ. I read verse 2 where it says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good. And then notice in verse 3 the, the word for. Notice the connecting word. For, here's the reason for why we should build each other up. For, 
Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Jesus lived to build up his people. As one writer, I'm pretty sure it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, described Jesus, summarized Jesus as the man for others. And Jesus always had his mind set on the glory of God and to the glory of God, the good of his people. But he was not the man for himself. He was the man for others. Think of the Lord Jesus, as John tells us in his gospel. Imagine this. He's hanging on the cross. He's dying in agony. And he sees his mother standing by the cross, and he sees John standing by the cross, and he says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. From the cross, our Lord Jesus cares about what's going to happen to his mother in the future. And, and just what a little picture that is of his love for all of us, of, of, of his love for all of his people, and, uh, and how he cares for them from the cross. Think of what the Lord Jesus is quoted as saying in Mark chapter 10. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, if anyone had the right on this earth to insist on being served, was it not the Lord Jesus? Who could have complained if he had demanded that everyone serve him? But he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And that's the example that Paul is setting before us. As he quotes from Psalm 69, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Jesus was willing to bear reproach for your sake and for mine. And, and not simply, let us, let's remember, not simply the reproaches of the, of the Passion Week, as we call it, when he was betrayed and died on the cross, yes, that, of course. But in a way, his whole life was a reproach. As our, as our confession, he endured reproach. His entire life, as our confession says, he, he encountered all the miseries of this life for your sakes and for mine. So then, let us consider the example of our Lord Jesus Christ in the way we treat others. The, the way this works out you know this from Philippians chapter 2, but here's just another practical application of it. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And what, 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 what is this anchored in? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, took upon himself the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In a wonderful sermon on that text, D.B. Warfield entitles his sermon, Imitating the Incarnation. There we have the, the encouragement that should come to us from the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, his servants, are not above our teacher we too should be willing to fall, follow in his footsteps in our love for others. But of course, the Lord Jesus is more than an example. If he was just an example to us, just a teacher, we would have no Savior. But then, be encouraged 
by the sacrifice of Christ. For Jesus is not simply our example, he is our sin bearer. And that's ultimately what the quote from Psalm 69 is alluding to. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Ultimately, why did those reproaches fall upon our Savior? Because he is the sin bearer in a way that we are not and never could be nor ever should try to be. The completion of that quote from Mark chapter 10 that I mentioned earlier the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So be encouraged by the fact that our blessed Savior comes forth as our sin bearer. And you see, it is in this way that Christ welcomes us. In verse 7, Paul says, Therefore, welcome one another, even those you may disagree with, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. How can he welcome sinners? Not until he has ransomed us from our sins. Not until he has borne our sins. Not until he has been that atoning sacrifice for us. And it's so uh, important to, to reflect upon the gospel. Our harmony in Christ is ultimately rooted in this gospel, is it not? Welcome one another, not because they're like you or agree with you in everything. Welcome one another, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has welcomed you. Who are we? We are, we are sinners saved by grace, are we not? We're no more than that. I'm not, you're not. We are sinners saved by grace. Again, just to flesh this out a bit, remember what the apostle says in Ephesians chapter 4, just at the end of that uh, great passage. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And then what's the root of this? As God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he died for you, be willing to welcome, love, and serve other sinners. The third fountain, if you will, of, of endurance and, and encouragement uh, are the Holy Scriptures. And Paul goes on to say here in verse 4, that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. This reminds us, by the way, that Scripture is always relevant to the people of God. Preachers, we should work at applying the, the Word of God, of course, but, but we don't have to make it relevant. In fact, sometimes I think we go off track if we try too hard to make it relevant. This tells us that the Word of God is relevant. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Now notice, thousands of years before, in a, in a different culture, and it's still written for our instruction. You see the point there? Because it's God's inspired and infallible Word. And it was written through that, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures... We might have hope. Now, I could do a whole sermon on that. I could do a whole ser series of sermons on that. How the scriptures 
provide for us uh, endurance and encouragement uh, in the Lord. But just to take one example, even if I, if I look at Psalm 69, where that quote about Christ's reproach came from, Psalm 69, uh, verse 13. What do we see in the scriptures? What might we say is the master theme of the scriptures that encourages us so much? Well, in Psalm 69, verse 13, the psalmist says, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God. In the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. I would say that's a pretty good summary of the theme of the scriptures. The Holy One, the Creator, the Lawgiver, yet comes to us in His saving faithfulness and answers us in the abundance of his steadfast love. So my friends, when you go to the scriptures to study it, don't ever leave until you've seen something more of the steadfast love of God. Yes, look at his warnings. Yes, look at his commandments. Yes, we need to look at all of those things. Yes, look at the ethics of the scriptures. But don't leave. We're not finished until in some way we've seen that in the context of God's saving, faithful, covenant mercy to us. That love which, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, nothing can ever separate us from that love. Isn't that wonderful? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. I tell you, that is the source of our encouragement. That is the source of our endurance. And even though we are a sinful group of people, an imperfect group of people, yet we have been saved by grace. He loves us. He's not going to let us go. So let us stay on course and continue to love one another and glorify God with one voice. The final fountain of encouragement that I want to point you to is I want you to be encouraged by the God of endurance and encouragement himself. What a wonderful description of our God this is, verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. Harmony in the church, unity in the church, when it comes right down to it, is not a human achievement. And if it is, then we really have no hope. Our best efforts at brotherly and sisterly love, let's face it, they're imperfect. We don't do love very well. Neither do I, and I'm sure you don't either, and I'm sure you'd say the best of my efforts are imperfect uh, in your marriage or with your friends or in the church. No, unity and encouragement in the church, my friends, must be the gift of God. It must come forth from the God who gives endurance and encouragement. So above all, I think, I mean, it's always right for the church to be a praying church, but especially at a time maybe when there's some confusion or some disappointment or there's been some disagreement over something, that's especially the time to seek the Lord together in prayer, the God of endurance and encouragement who will not let you go but will give you the power to stick to it and the steadfast persistence that you need. One of my favorite go-to passages in, in this is just uh, the need for wisdom. 
Uh, we can really never have enough wisdom, and we always need a fresh supply, don't we? And how precious it is that James says, you know this, I'm sure, James 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And isn't that wonderful that James says he'll give it wisdom generously and without reproach? God doesn't say, oh, you fools, you're coming again, you still don't get it, oh, come on. Praise God that he doesn't say that. He gives his wisdom without reproaching us, and he gives it generously because he loves us, and he's the God of endurance and of encouragement. And remember that, as Jonathan Edwards put it, God is glorified in our dependence. So it is a time for us to pray together. It's always time. It's always right for the church to pray. But especially now, going to the Lord on your knees, knowing that he is the God of endurance and encouragement. I said that I had, we had a couple of close votes, uh, not on, I think you were going to have a building project maybe or not, and that, that vote failed. Ours were on, on pastoral candidates. And um, we had very close votes, and there was great disappointment because some people really loved the candidates. Twice this happened. And, uh, and other people did not. And, and, the, and the most recent time it happened, um, was actually they were voting on, on our associate pastor to become my successor. And uh, there was a divided vote on that, and he did not get the percentage. But, but here's, here's what went wrong. I can tell you that. I said I learned everything the hard way. Here's a couple things that went wrong. And I'm not saying it's happening here or that it will, but I'm just saying I know human nature. Don't go there. <laughs> a couple of people took it upon themselves because the, the, vote, the outcome of the vote was not what they wanted, they took it upon themselves to kind of question the process and say it must have been a corrupt process. They're, they're, I don't think people presented the facts to us fairly. That was the accusation. And only a couple people said that, but that's all it needed because you know how uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Well, that's all it took. With that little bit of suspicion engaged, questioning the process, rather than saying, Lord, this is the process we agreed to, we submit to you, for now, at least, you've spoken on this. Now we've got to question this process and those who present. That was not a good thing. Second thing that happened was, again, it was just a couple people, but that's all it took. They questioned the motives of those who disagreed with them. And that was really a bad thing. Because, again, it just sort of injected a kind of, oh, I'll just say it, a poison into the church. And it took the elders, and I'm not saying the elders fixed it, but we had to work on fixing it, and God fixed it. But that was, that was a bad thing. And, and I'm, again, I'm not saying, I don't know anything about your situation. I'm not saying you've done that or you will do that, but I'm sure saying, don't do that. Don't go there. Go here to the God of encouragement and endurance. That's where you should go. Drink from those fountains of the example of Christ. The, the sacrifice of Christ for you. The Holy Scriptures, which will give you all the encouragement you need. And I know you're a Bible-centered church and a Bible-loving church, and that's such a good thing. And also, go to the God who gives endurance and encouragement. And, and don't, give, don't give way to discouragement. I believe um, Pastor Kurz, has he been preaching on the Gospel of Luke? Um, well, I, I close with just... Uh, a verse from Luke chapter 12 where the Lord Jesus was speaking to his anxious, fearful, 
little flock, wondering what in the world's going to happen now. And Jesus says to them, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know what? You may be confused. You may be uncertain in what the next step is. God, your Father, the God of endurance and encouragement is not. And he's saying, I will take care of you because he's a good father and he's the God of endurance and encouragement. Fear not, little flock. He'll lead you every step of the way and give you all the encouragement that you need as you go along. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we pray that we would uh, hear your word, um, take it uh, away with us, meditate upon it, uh, have your spirit bring forth the fruit of it in our lives. And thank you so much that you generously give wisdom. Thank you so much that you're the God of endurance and encouragement. Thank you so much for this church and this flock, uh, the blessings that you have given in and to and through this flock. And because of your goodness, we know that they will continue not to take that for granted, but to look to you with confidence and faith. And so please uh, give encouragement uh, to these dear brothers and sisters, to the pastors, to the officers, to all who serve. And now as we come to your holy table, Lord, would you give us further encouragement? Even as we've heard your word, would you now feed us with the bread of heaven, with the food from your table? For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. First, a couple of familiar verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't it wonderful? There's encouragement right here in the Lord's table. Because as we eat and drink the Lord's Supper, we're thinking forward to his coming. And we're thinking forward to the endurance that he gives us as we look forward to that coming and his faithfulness to the end. And um, that's truly wonderful. So I invite, uh, as I minister in his name to the table this morning, those who are baptized uh, those who are members in good standing of some biblical church, uh, those who come repentantly because this is a meal for sinners, and those who come with faith. And if those things are not true of you, I'd, ur I'd urge you not to partake, uh, lest you eat and drink judgment on yourself. And if that's confusing to you, come and talk to me afterwards. I'll be glad to sit down and talk to you about that. But for those, as I've said, those who are the Lord's people, uh, and a meal for sinners come and receive the encouragement uh, that, that he intends from the Lord's Supper. And so I remind you, as on the night when he was betrayed, our Savior took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you.
As our Savior said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the supper, our blessed Savior took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many for the remission of sins. As our Savior said to his disciples, I want all of you to drink of it. Our Father, we thank you for the grace of the word and the grace of the sacrament. And we pray that you would so give your endurance and encouragement to us uh, that we would, with one harmonious voice, glorify you and this flock. As we thank you for your blessings, may we be a blessing to one another and even to, to our neighbors and to the world. And we thank you for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Our hymn of response this morning then will be number 521. The beloved favorite, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Mm -hmm. 